Never End the Story, a rewatch podcast where we watch the movies of our childhood along with Tepper, a grown man who has never seen them before. I'm your host, Ivan. And this week we are joined by... Uh, hi, I'm Chris. Uh, I write poems and games and stuff about games. I'm Connor. I'm probably not a robot. Uh, I'm Jeff. I write about uh, games and music on DLC. I'm Tepper. I also write about games and occasionally video game music on DLC. We'll be watching Back to the Future, directed by Robert Zemeckis, released in 1985, the script for which was rejected 44 times before it finally got greenlit. Jeff brought us this movie this week. Why? I just, ever since uh, when I was a kid, like, my parents, we would watch movies a couple times a week, and this is one that always just stuck out to me, like, as a great, just, like, definition movie. Like, it's... There's nothing about this that should, like, offend anyone. It's got some action, you know, it's got kind of a compelling villain in Biff that, like, everybody's dealt with someone like that in their formative years. So, I just think Back to the Future just kind of, it has something for everyone. It's a good adventure movie. All right. Does anyone else have a personal connection to this film? I mean, it's great. <laughs> it's it's almost a perfect movie. Uh, this was one of, my dad was obsessed with, like three franchises and that was star wars indiana jones and back to the future uh so we had like the box set vhs of each of those trilogies and i just remember watching a lot of all three of those i remember watching this like multiple times in school and that's actually the only real times i watched it growing up but i always enjoyed watching it and it was a really good like waste of a class period yeah in school yeah wow i don't think i ever watched anything particularly interesting in school this is a movie about skipping school <laughs> we'd watch it during like lunch whenever it was like raining and we weren't oh, outside okay. oh right yeah that yeah okay that makes that makes more sense i thought you meant just like teacher doesn't want to teach um as for myself kind of similar to chris my dad really was really into the back to the future movies not the other he didn't really have much connection to star wars or indiana jones but i definitely watched back to the future a few times because of him and enjoyed it so is is that because it's about a car probably almost definitely (laughs) uh yeah for the listeners my my dad owns an engine shop so he's big into cars so now we are showing Tepper the movie poster to get his first opinions of the movie. I'm sure he knows more about this one than some of the others we've done before, but here it is. Okay. Um, yeah, I know a little bit about the movie, from mostly from like memes and stuff. And people reference Back to the Future a lot on the internet. So things like uh, 88 miles per hour, uh, where we're going we won't uh, need roads or whatever. Uh, in regards to the poster, you can see the classic car, the DeLorean, uh, the main character, he's obviously late, it's a time-based movie, um, he really needs to get back to the future, (laughs) (laughs) and one day he wasn't in his time at all. Um, I actually quite like the poster, it just has like, I mean, in the simplest terms, it's nice to look at actually yeah i had to make sure to find a high enough quality one that had the text on the side there because it's certainly informative yeah 
Yeah, I really like the tagline on this poster. Yeah, for the listeners, it's, he was never in time for his classes. He wasn't in time for his dinner. Then one day, he wasn't in his time at all. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, like, that text is really good, because, uh, like, I think it says a lot about the character and uh, what the film's about. Now, what about that uh, killer, just right out of the 80s, orange vest? Yeah, oh, that vest is great. <laughs> I was just saying it's a very simple poster compared to the other ones we've seen. Yeah. Like, it's it's very basic. It uh, just shows the main character and the main, like, MacGuffin, and that's it. Marty MacGuffin. Mar- <laughs> <laughs> and the main character, John DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I really like about, well, I guess all the Back to the Future films, um, and I don't want to give away too much, but, um, like, they still, like, for kind of a sci-fi movie... It's simple. Like, it doesn't try to explain it too much or be, like, too smart. Like, the, it really is just a plot device. All right. We'll see you after the film. Where are my pants? Over there. On my hope chest. And we're back. So, what did everyone think? Well, Tepper, did it live up to the poster? Uh, yeah, yeah, it lived up to the poster. Uh, me and Jeff were discussing during the movie uh, that this is probably um, kind of like in design one of the best movies I've probably ever seen. Like everything that is set up pays off. It's set up very well, uh, very clever in that sense. I liked the movie. I didn't love it. I enjoyed it, but it... it like it feels dated? I think, yeah, I think, like, it feels a little dated in some aspects. Also, like, um, yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, it just feels, like, just a little dated, and there was just a couple scenes that weren't, like, like the, like, the awkward scenes where, uh, Marty is trying to get his dad to interact with his mom. Like, I just found that kind of cringy and wasn't really into it. Oh, they're so good. Um, but that's never been my style of... That's never been my style, like a humor style that I've enjoyed. So that's really more my personal preference than anything against the movie. Uh, the movie was just, yeah, like, really, like, phenomenally well-directed, executed, written. Dialogue was great. Um, yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's difficult for me to find things that... Uh, I didn't like about the movie beyond personal preference. All right. Anyone else? One of my favorite parts of the movie is that there's almost no information given to you that isn't used at some point. Yeah, like they use every Chekhov's gun. Yeah. It's beautiful, honestly. Yeah, one of the ones that actually, because like I was paying attention because I figured because it's a time-based movie, like a bunch of stuff that was mentioned in the future parts would become relevant in the past parts. Um, one that I didn't actually expect to become, like, one thing that I didn't expect to become relevant was when he, um, the piece of paper that his girlfriend wrote her number on, that mm-hmm. becoming important, to, like, I was like, holy, that's, that's so fucking clever, holy shit. Like, that was, that was, that was great, like, I did not see that coming at all. And it's, like, little touches like that, with how they set up and pay off, is just amazing. The only question I have is, I understand they needed to give him the flyer about the clock tower there, but shouldn't he have already had her phone number? If it's implied that, like, they were dating? It was his It was his grandmother's phone number. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, her grandmother's. 
Yeah, she was going to her grandmother's for the weekend, so it was her phone. All right, thank you for correcting me. I will bet you there is a version of the script or a scene somewhere on a cutting room floor where something happens with that grandmother. Because why else would you set up, like, here's the phone number of my grandmother, and then you go back in time? So, uh, if we... Moving on to the next topic. This was the one thing that had me fucking, like, laughing the whole time. His mom is thirsty as fuck. Holy (laughs) shit. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I didn't remember that. Oh my god. (laughs) I remembered that. That's, like, the main plot of the movie. (laughs) That... Like, like you guys were joking about, like, oh, Marty has to, like, fuck his mom, but it was, like, like, some of the scenes where she's, like, looking at him, it's, like, she's, she's fucking creaming herself just looking at him, and it was, (laughs) it was, it was uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Every time in the past she says, uh, that's Calvin Klein, he's such a dream, I guess that's, like, translate that today, it's, it would be, like, Calvin Klein, he can get it. (laughs) If he wants it, he knows where it is. Yeah. And... (laughs) so many seeds or it was like oh my god this this is uncomfortable <laughs> she's parked before she knows what she wants and she's gonna get yeah it. yeah <laughs> she's great but she's never done anything like that when she was young <laughs> yeah no that that would be completely unreasonable like she's great because like i've never seen like I've never, I've never had a movie make me uncomfortable in that way. <laughs> like where it was just like, oh, like ah, oh. like like she's like be doing things. I'm like, no, she's not. She is. Oh no, she put his pants on her hope chest. <laughs> I, I don't understand why his pants were on her hope chest. I love that line. It's so much. some kind of metaphor. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very blatant metaphor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he he hit his head, so his pants had to be removed. <laughs> it makes it it's a more comfortable sleeping situation. Yeah, like, oh, he can stay the night. He can sleep in my room. I was like, uh, <laughs> uh. I think that just goes to, like the performances in this movie are amazing yeah. across the board, astoundingly amazing, and it must have been so fun to act for everybody but especially the people that get to be old them and young them yeah uh yeah the the acting uh i didn't see like any real flaws with anything like like they were all like such fun like they were a fun group of characters and um like yeah like his dad was so pathetic oh oh it hurt (laughs) chris mcglover is a really good kind of weaselly greasy guy in this movie yeah 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 like he's He's, like, actually just perfectly pathetic. And, yeah, like, the, the performance role, like, Doc Brown was great. I really liked, um, I really liked the, like, the kind of, like, relationship between Doc Brown and Marty. Like, I got a much greater sense of, like, a father-son between the two of them than Marty with his dad ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the few things that the movie doesn't really touch on is why they know each other. Mm. She makes super amps. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of music, just aside, the Van Halen torture scene <laughs> with him as a, an alien was uh, really good. Yeah, it wasn't a torture scene. It was uh, an alien invasion scene. Uh, no, but like the like turns it on, wakes him up, and then he starts speaking again. It just turns it on again. Just shut him up. Like 
That was great. That reminds me, it's the second time where we see someone kind of like in a pajama or like sleeping situation with a comic book. Like his dad sleeps with a comic book or like sci-fi magazine in his bed. And when Marty first goes back to the past and runs his car into the barn, the kid runs over to the barn holding a comic book and shows it to his dad and goes like, look, he must be an alien. Well, and, yep. and that was something else that paid off. Why is he off. carrying a comic book around? Yeah, but but that was something else that paid off that I didn't expect. Like, I thought it was going to be like a one-off joke. Like, oh, look, this these, these radi- the radiation suit is unfamiliar to the people 30 years ago. But then it's like, no, he uses it later to uh, convince his dad to yeah. uh, to do it. Like, it was like, wow, like, just... Every, everything pays off. It's It's amazing. There are... Like, in the ruined, um, in the garage or whatever that Doc Brown is living in after he sells his mansion, you see a bunch of the stuff that is in the mansion. Like, in shambles now. Oh, wow. I, I didn't notice that. That's that's really Yeah, cool. there's, like, the same portraits. It's great. Yeah. Or there's a lot of stuff where, I'm not sure if you noticed this, Tepper, but um, at first it's the Twin Pines Mall at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. But then when Marty runs over one of the pines at the farm, uh, it becomes yeah, the Lone uh, Pine Mall. Um... Someone pointed that out in chat. Yeah, yeah, Sean. Yeah, Sean pointed that out in uh, in chat. Like, yeah, just stuff like that was was really good. Um, I would say the only thing that I didn't, I didn't, um, I thought would have paid off fine if they had just left it as is was Marty giving Doc the letter. Uh, cause like I thought him like tearing it up and then like when he comes back, it's like, oh, I actually didn't. Was I wasn't as into that one. I think the reason for that is because before he, like, leaves and everything, he realizes that Marty's already changed the timeline, so it doesn't really fucking matter anymore. Yeah, I get the reasoning. I just, I personally felt like it would have been a great emotional moment for if he had just not noticed and then just had, everything had proceeded normally. Uh, Like, I didn't think him tearing it added much to the story, but maybe that's just me. And the skateboarding pays off. Can we talk about Biff? Please. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> as as we were briefly talking about before we started recording, nothing really changes except the position of the oppressor and the oppressed. And Marty has basically used time travel to up his class, like it's time based capitalism or theft. Like <laughs> he's a time thief. Like and and as we were all joking, like Biff got time cucked. <laughs> Biff deserved it. Biff was a real creep in the fifties. Um, yeah, yeah, that was another thing I was gonna uh, bring up earlier, but we got another thing is uh, another tangent is, um, you know, we'd seen like in like uh, Neverending Story and um, Jumanji like murderous gangs of kids. Now we have murderous gangs of teenagers. Like if um, Marty didn't hop over that car he probably would have died and everybody in the 50s was into like sexual assault yeah you you really get that in this movie yeah like he was going to straight up like rape her in that car how how come marty's dad is like t- like he punches out biff and he becomes a hero and then 30 seconds later he's in the exact same situation and he can't like he has to wait for two minutes before he gets in there. Yeah, he, he he can't he can't stand up to Rick Astley. 
I, I initially I thought it was kind of cheap where I was like, oh, they're like doing this brief moment of character change and then like reverting it. But then it was kind of this, uh, the feeling I got was it was this thing where he did it all on his own without prompting from anybody else. Was the feeling I got from that scene where it was like it wasn't Marty telling him to go do it. It wasn't, he was having his arm broken. It was, no, I'm going to go and like, this, this guy's taking my girl. Get out of my face. I punched a dude for this girl. Well, also, she's specifically saying, like, dude, stop it. Yeah. And he's not acquiescing, that, which happens a lot in this movie. Uh, yeah, and that was, like, that was part of my, uh, part of the thing with, um, like, 50 sexual assaults is, like, there's a lot of no's and people not stopping. <laughs> well, that's the, that's also the crux of Marty's plan to get his parents together, is to molest his mom. Which was also uncomfortable. <laughs> Like, when he's in that car and she's coming on to him, it was like, uh... Well, she even makes the reference. She's like, yeah, oh, yeah. like, kissing you, it felt like kissing my brother. And yeah, that that's going to be really weird for most people, probably. Yeah. Like, especially when you say it out loud, you don't just think it. Yeah. Also, like, uh, so another thing that really, like, stuck out to me was in the opening of the movie, Marty's family is, like super pathetic um i i would have to rack my brain to find a family more pathetic than his family in the past at the beginning of the movie or in the future sorry at the beginning of the movie uh like it actually kind of hurt to listen to them yeah we see in this movie an example of both pre and post cocaine business dad (laughs) which one's which I mean, uh, original 1985 right. is okay, pre yeah. We like snivelly George McFly, yeah. and then he gets some coke in him, and he's suddenly racket. I think racquetball they were playing at the end. It would have been great if he had mixed an egg with his orange juice to drink before speaking with Marty. That's how you know he's a business dad. Yeah, then he would be 10 out of 10 business dad. Like So, three for three business dads and murder bullies. Yeah, you guys really like movies with like, murderous bullies and gangs of kids. We had to deal with those as a child, didn't you? <laughs> what, are you some kind of normie? <laughs> How much cocaine was your dad on? Not enough, How evidently. much? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, uh, you know, like, yeah, like, with this movie, what just continues to strike me about it is just, yeah, it's just, it's very well-crafted, just in general. Um... Speaking to like the, I was I was thinking we would speak about like the visuals and sets and stuff. Oh, they're astounding. Yeah, like Doc Brown's mansion, Doc Brown's garage, especially stand out is like really cool created spaces. The bubble machine at the party. Yeah, um, the the DeLorean obviously like is an absolutely beautifully crafted car. Definitely like a product of the eighties and actually not a good car in real life though like really awful car yeah that's what i've heard um uh there's there's a scene in the second one where it's raining and they open the door and you can see how rain just like is funneled into the car by those like uh wing doors (laughs) (laughs) yeah no not 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 a great car um but it looks so cool when it's covered in time machine crap yeah yeah well i don't mean like the dock even like lampshades it i'm pretty sure that's the correct trope where he goes like you gotta do it in fashion like and 
like even like the period stuff I thought was all real good. Yeah, like most of the clothes and cars did seem like, and again, I'm sure we could go up and just like look on Google Images for 50s fashion or something. Yeah. But at least from what we can tell, uh, most of yeah the period clothes and cars and other things featured in the 1955 set did look like something out of 1955. Yeah. Especially because the stuff out of the 80s we're a little more familiar with in the 1985 set. A lot of stuff you can look at and go like, yeah, that weird vest he's wearing looks right out of the 80s. Yeah. That Jeep that he thinks is cool, the, maybe oh, that's something people thought in the 80s would be nice to drive. Yeah, that, that truck when he was like, oh man, I would love to have that. I'm like, wow, that dated this movie. <laughs> Um, also, uh, Ch- uh, what was it? I think it was Chuck Berry, uh, stole rock and roll from Marty McFly. Yeah. White people invented rock and roll <laughs> that, I mean, this, I'm going to be stealing this. I'm pretty sure this was in some cracked videos before, uh, obviously we're bringing it up, but there's two big moments in the movie where, yeah, Marty does some appropriation of black culture. One is obviously, <laughs> yeah, he apparently the whole reason Chuck Berry came up with those riffs is because he literally heard them from Marty McFly. And then in 19... 19- 55, around the time the civil rights movement is really growing, Marty gives uh, a black man the ambition to become a politician. So all of those ideas, not original ideas, they were Marty McFly. Yeah. I, and I, obviously there's some time travel loop yeah, stuff yeah, going on. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like at least in like the rock and roll case, I forgive it, because, and I don't really consider it appropriation, because he got it from the future. Like It wasn't like they were like, actually, a white person came up with rock and roll. Like, try, trying to, like, pass it off as some kind of, like, historical revisionism. Or, like, this is a minor detail from that scene, but it kind of bugs me that distortion and, like, uh, those kind of effects weren't really around back then. But as soon as Marty starts playing, like, the rock and roll lift, his amp goes all distorted and fuzzy. And it's yep. like, no, they didn't They didn't do that back then. They didn't actually have the tech for it. Also, that's a minor... Also, his supporting band was really down with the new style of music. For a while, and then I love the part at the end where Marvin like picks up the guitar and he looks at it like you fuck up my guitar, <laughs> like what'd you do this thing? Yeah, I mean he kicked over his amp. That's an expensive amp, Marty. <laughs> Not everybody can just go to the future. Don't mess with reef what reefer junkies, reefer addicts. Uh, but um, like all those details are super minor and. Uh, the the point is the emotions that the scene is meant to convey, and it does it very effectively. And it's just like a cool scene to have him be playing uh, like that. So can we talk about um, Doc's first time travel experiment and how he could have <laughs> just put a watch or a clock in the car, but instead he sent his dog through with no knowledge whether or not it would succeed? He needed to get good ratings. Also, animal testing was okay back then. He was predicting the YouTube video, and he knew he had to put an animal in it. (laughs) He needed either a cute doggo or a kitty cat, and he had a doggo on hand. Also, Marty and Doc were standing right in the path of the car. So again, (laughs) if the time travel experiment didn't work, they were just going to get run over. And then what? You've got, like, a remote control that's just going haywire and your dog's still in the car. Like, we could <laughs> end was, up with two uh, dead people and a dog uh, in no uh, time travel. Uh, Doc Brown used the last of his fortune, so this was, like, a suicide pact he had, where uh, if he was going to, if this experiment failed, he was going to die and bring Marty with him. Oh, it's all, uh, wow. That's dark. <laughs> he was very confident in his math. Yeah. He shouldn't have been, though, because, like, that math was fucked up at the last scene, because Marty started after 
the timer went off, and he still hit the lightning bolt right on time. So, math isn't so great. Yeah, but Marty believes in himself and tries hard. He had 30 years to improve his math skills. I also like how at the beginning of the movie, it's like, where'd you get this plutonium? I stole it from, or I, I got it from some Libyans, uh, nationalists. And then Libyan nationalists show up and chase them around. Like, it's just such a random detail that's, like, kind of funny in how absurd it is. In the, the first scene, um, in the in the opening with all the clocks and the, like, Rube Goldberg feeding the dog and cooking breakfast machine, part of it is it turns on the TV and the news report is... Uh, there's been some plutonium stolen, but don't worry, it definitely wasn't the terrorists that said that they stole it. It was a clerical error. Yeah, uh, well, and that opening was masterful, actually. Like, it conveyed so much information, uh, especially with, like, the whole plutonium uh, subplot. Like, just so well. And it had Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. (laughs) So much Huey Lewis in the news in this movie. Well, I think those songs were actually written for this movie. Like, they yes. weren't just off of an album at the time. The, the The studio had approached Huey Lewis and the News to do, like, two or three tracks for the movie, and then they chose appropriate ones. Is is Power of Love, like, it was written for Back to the Future? I, I, I think it was. I'm not 100% wow. on that, but I'm mostly sure. <laughs> I, was, I was telling Jeff earlier when we were kind of talking about Huey Lewis and the News, is, like, I can't disassociate that band from American Psycho anymore. Uh, it's just this per it's just permanent connection that the two have. Uh so yeah. <laughs> just just a fun side note. <laughs> there's a there's a crazy amount of product placement in this movie too. Like uh Bud Light and Pepsi is everywhere. Yeah. There's even a, a Huey Lewis in the news poster in Marty's room. I think that was the least they could do. He he why does he love Van Halen and Huey Lewis in the news? He likes hard rocking. <laughs> It's sexy. Yeah, Huey, Huey Lewis in the news. Hard yeah, rockin'. hard rocking. I mean, why is he, why is he a popular, cool skateboard riding, guitar playing kid who hangs out with a with a sixty year old plus scientist? I mean, yeah, you figure his hair was like white and c- crazy looking in nineteen fifty five, and he looks the same in nineteen eighty five. Their move, the like makeup artist's move to make people look old in this movie, is to give them chicken neck. They have, like, some kind of, like, strap or something they put across people's necks to make them look all saggy. And they made his mom just, like, like, he, the first thing he says to his mom when he goes back to the new version of 1985 is, like, Mom, you're thin! Yeah. It's, like, there were a couple times in the movie where Marty had no chill, because I just want to transition this to after he gets hit by the car in 1955, and they're offering him to, like, stay for dinner. He goes over to the the kid, uh, like a jailbird Joey, yeah, or something, who was in the who's in the crib, and he just goes, "You better get used to those bars, kid." Like, holy crap, Marty! <laughs> do do we ever get in the good future, uh, like a line about what happened to Joey? Yeah. Oh, not not in the new future. He's no. probably still in prison. That what? Honestly. That's horrible. <laughs> His life wasn't affected by Marty. Why would it have been? He, that's his uncle. Yeah, I mean, just just for a throwaway line, there's like most of the time Marty seems like this really nice kid, gr- good head on his shoulders, and then there's just a couple times where he's savage. Like he just, without thinking, is like, "Wow, mom, you look thin," yeah. and then also tells this kid, like before this kid can even understand language, like, "You're gonna spend life in prison. Better get used to it." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely savage at, at points, but. 
yeah, like the, this movie is is just good. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of more stuff to really break down, but it's hard because it's so tightly crafted. Cake and pre- peanut brittle. Oh, that yeah, their meals are messed up. Like I'm uh, glad they cleaned up their diet plan in the good future. Well, and that was part of like what I was mentioning earlier about like how like pathetic his family was before was like just these nasty, gross meals that are super unhealthy. Like, well, like his mom made a cake presumably for dinner to maybe get out, but it's still like they're sitting around what I presume is their dinner table for their nightly family gathering, and instead of eating the cake or having food served. His dad just pours out an entire jar of peanut brittle onto his plate and just goes like, mmm, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting all day for this. And, like, the obsession with watching TV, like, it, it didn't crop up, like, tons of times, but, like, in the original future, like, his dad was just obsessively watching TV, and then when he goes to the past and is at uh, his mom's place, like, it, it, yeah, just popped up a couple times which which stuck with me like that's just normal american life especially like 50s and 80s like you watch tv got nothing better or maybe that was the movie studios like being snobs and like thumbing their nose up at like oh look people get like so distracted by tv studios come to the movies we're wholesome and (laughs) yeah maybe they were i don't know probably not this is probably me thinking too much into it but maybe they were throwing some shade at them yeah, or it might be, like, what I was thinking is it was, like, a class-based thing. Like, it was a way, um, in a similar way that, like, Never never Ending Story was, like, uh, good, good, knowledgeable kids read, bad kids read comic books and play video games. Like, this is their way. Oh, you think that's that a coded way for them to say, like, these people are poor, look, they're eating peanut brittle and, yes. and watching TV. Uh, okay. that, that, that's because, yeah. like, movies code, like, the, this one thing I've noticed is, like, and, like, I don't, I'm not going to, like, blame the studios for doing this. But, you know, they have specific way, visual ways of coding. These people are poor. These people are rich. These people are middle class. And you could pretty clearly see it in the opening where it's like, yeah, they eat unhealthy food. They watch their TV. They uh, get distracted. They're, like, weak, pathetic. They're fat. Because, like, you can, and it's especially, it's very clear in the contrast between the, the, the new future as opposed to the old future where it's, like, the house is clean now and um, they're wearing, like, nice clothes and they've, you know, like, yeah, like, they, they, they code class in a very specific way. Um, and I think, I think the TV was a big part of that. Well, it was part of that. And Marty's sister is as thirsty as his mom. Oh, so is Marty. Yeah, yeah. Like, we can't... Basically everyone is. I was gonna say, but we can't just single out his sister. Marty's pretty thirst. His sister has multiple boyfriends. Marty's dad and his mom initially met because he was a peeping Tom. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't even peeping on her. At least that would be romantic. Yes, he was. Oh, he was? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yes. Okay. No, yeah, just was. All right. Like, what else would he have been peeping on? Now yeah. I'm curious about what Chris thought he was peeping on. <laughs> well, some other lady. I don't know. I thought. I thought he. I thought the way the street was set up, he was like looking across the street and then fell. He was on a branch over the yeah. street, right. looking across the street at her, 
then got hit by the car that was pulling in. Because I think, yeah, in the establishing shot, it shows Marty's mother, like, in a bra, like, changing in her bedroom. So I think that they were implying that that's what he was looking at. Also, like, how did the driver not see Marty push (laughs) his dad out of the way? Well, he says another one of (laughs) these kids jumped in front of my car. Like, this guy has a fucking problem. <laughs> like he's driving on the sidewalk. Oh, look at all these kids jumping in front of my car. <laughs> I I mean, I believe the implication is that there are multiple peeping toms who have who have been hit in front of his house. Well, he shouldn't have had a hot daughter then. <laughs> <laughs> Better cover up. And like it's it sounds as if she would was as thirsty for all of them. It's just they didn't happen to be a date the next week or a dance the yeah. next week. Wasn't the first time she's parked. She's almost eighteen. Do you think this is the way that this is how dating works for her? She just like waits till someone, uh, like looks in her window, like, and then her dad hits them with a car. That was her plan the whole time. Well, well I mean, like, even like she's here. Oh, hey, how did you find me? Oh, I followed you here. It's like, uh... she's honest. <laughs> Honest. Oh my god. L- listen, if you're creepy, it doesn't matter if you're honest or not, you're still creepy. <laughs> I was totally fine. was losing my mind with delight in that scene. Where Christopher Lloyd in that scene is amazing. Like, he doesn't say anything, but he just walks around <laughs> looking at Leah Thompson being like, this woman wants you, Marty. This is bad. <laughs> and he's just like, obviously so stressed out about it. Oh my god. Yeah. That, yeah, his, his, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's like there's so many good scenes like that, like individual great moments where yeah, like his facial reactions to that's in that scene were just incredible. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd is a treasure. <laughs> that he is. So I think there's there's one subject uh, we had from some notes that I'm not sure if we got into yet, which is. Um, the kind of humorous when Biff threatens uh, Marty or his dad, I don't remember, but the conversion rate of $1955 to how much ass he's going to kick. Right. The the car detailing costs $300, and he's going to take it out of Marty's ass. Yeah. That was, that was great. And what... Someone did some research here. So the conversion it converts to $2,386.65. Of ass. <laughs> is the, and that's, yeah, 2018 monies? Uh, no, that, that would be 1985 money. Oh, okay. 1985 to 2018. Yeah. Oh. No, 1955 to 2018. Yeah. We don't, we don't know. The, the person who did the research put down all but one of the necessary numbers to know <laughs> what year this is related to. Well, it could be... Either way, it's a lot of ass. Even $300 1955 money is a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what conversion rates are for. Poor, poor Biff, his his new future version, just so bad. Well, Biff's a scumbag, though. Like, no, no, even future Biff's a scumbag. He deserves it because he was an ass in the future, so we made him not an ass in the future. Retribution. But he was also an ass in the past, yeah, so it like was actually deserved. It, it, yeah, yeah. raping a girl. Uh, probably not cool, man. And if we get into the rest of these movies, you'll find out that uh, Back to the Future is mostly about how d- families are good or evil, I think. 
Okay, I, I guess, like, yeah, I think I've heard, like, in the sequels, Biff's family or he himself show up in the sequels. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, I, so I guess, like, within the karma of this world, uh, Biff is innately evil. Like, there is no hope for him. Well, I don't know about no hope. He can become, like, an indentured manservant goblin <laughs> to the McFly family. Is that, that, I guess that's better because he's not out there doing evil. He's that, the family goblin. That was that was when they were uh, in uh, <laughs> in uh, in ancient times. That that's how it worked. Master McFly gave Biff a sock. <laughs> Biff is free. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I really like Marty as a character too. Like he he um he's young, not like the smartest or highest achieving, but he's not like an idiot either. Like there's this really nice balance that they strike with him. Um that I that I appreciated. Would you say it's like kind of like an everyman's fantasy and just like again, if you were here you could do it if you also had a crazy old science friend? Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, they were, they were trying to hit for that, like, yeah, that, that, that everyman fantasy, where it's like, yeah, like, he's just this kind of like, yeah, like, he's just a, he's just a kid. Like, he's not this genius, he's not this, like, super naive, um, uh, uh, person either, um... Well, they do a masterful job of setting up his character. Like, yeah. He loves rock and roll. He's kind of a daredevil. And he has a fear of rejection that, like, holds him back. And then he has to go to the past and teach his father not to have a fear of rejection. And by doing that gets over, you know? Yeah. Well, and that was something where, where when, uh, when he's talking to his dad and his dad was talking about his fear of rejection over, like, the science. Like, it brought me... it. it it reminded me of when we watched Jumanji and when um, uh, Robin Williams was talking with the kid and was saying, like, oh, stop crying, keep your chin up. And he goes, oh, great, I'm turning into my dad. Um, so, like, I kind of saw, like, shades shades of that in those sequences as well, where it's, like, Marty realizes, like, holy shit, I'm turning into my dad, this is bad, but also, like, helps his dad fix that as well. Uh, yeah, the whole point of all of these movies have been, like, children don't end up like your parents. Yeah. Yeah, the 80s, 80s and really didn't like their parents. I mean, Jumanji's 90s, but still... Yeah, true. like, 80s, 90s, just so far, uh, obviously small sample size of movies, but... Uh, no, this is every movie. Obviously, every single movie. They only made two movies in the 90s. <laughs> Sorry, 80s. Are you a Back to the Future or a Neverending Story? Well, I mean, like, like, cause, cause you can see, um, I mean, like, there's a meta for movies, right? Like every decade and every genre kind of has a particular way of, and you can see the transformation of movies over time, where they change their directing styles or like the storylines change, and I think, I think, obviously, we'd have to watch more '80s and '90s. Uh, kid to young adult movies to like say for sure but one of the major themes of those two decades is uh incest (laughs) (laughs) yes i guess 
uh, is uh, is the don't 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 be like your parents, like like escape escape the flaws of your parents. Uh, learn from their mistakes and be better. It is uh, is something that is sticking out right now uh, to me. So that's kind of interesting. Or, or if you have a an old white man friend, change your parents so that they're better. Also a good option. I like that in this one, unlike Jumanji, like fixing the past didn't fix the town. His town was still a shithole. <laughs> and he came, he comes back and he's like, ah, oh, yeah, my favorite shithole. <laughs> yeah, well, he he only messed with his own life. Yeah. Mm, and, and the name and of Biff. a mall. Yeah, and Biff. Yeah, well, like, Biff was basically his family. Yeah. And probably by extension, his um, Biff's entire fashion gang, who we also haven't talked about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his gang of lackeys. Is everyone else's favorite the guy with the 3D glasses? Oh, who just like yes. chirps yes. and yaps? He's great. He's a great hyena man. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, he, yeah, he, his, his gang was great. Especially, like, yeah. I, sorry. So but. good at posing. Yeah. <laughs> I like the Ginyu Force, man. <laughs> also, well, I was gonna say JoJo, but <laughs> also like the power that Biff held over like it's everyone? like everyone. Well, like I told you never to be in this public. Well, like business not owned by me. Get out! You're gonna pay for this. Like you would think somebody would go like, no, you're attacking a paying customer. I'm gonna call the police now. And you're going to be arrested for assault. Yeah, it's interesting because he's never like he's never established as, to be like the jock or anything. He is just the bully. Yeah, he's the every man of bullies. That's yeah, true. He is like, every bully. But yeah, like it's not like he holds power over the town because he's the jock or anything. He just is the bully, yeah. and I yeah. guess everyone's afraid of being wedged. Yeah, it's not like he's the mayor's kid or he's rich or anything. It's just that he stands up three times in this movie in a very threatening manner he's very tall he is they do a great job with those shots too of just like his shoulders just get like bigger and bigger marty and like uh michael j fox are also a bit on the short side because even sometimes when he's standing next to doc i think i've seen in a bit of the movie trivia where they had them you know they did the tom cruise thing <laughs> where they had one guy either like crouch a bit or the other guy was standing on something but yeah, Biff is still really tall. So his gang is credited as Skinhead, 3D, and Match. 3D's the best. Uh, I guess. Unless they're throwing us a real curveball in that Skinhead. I'd be upset if it was. <laughs> what great names for the gang. Truly captures their deep and rich personalities. I understood, like, I get that the one guitarist injured his hand while trying to open the trunk, but, like, how? In the position that he was trying to open the trunk. He was opening it with a knife. Yeah. I think. It was either a knife or, like, a screwdriver? Yeah, I assumed it was a screwdriver and he, yeah, somehow, like, jammed it into his hand. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, with how he was holding it, that wasn't going to happen? Like, with where his hands were? Well, that's because he didn't want to cut his hand open. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, and then his hand got injured. The plot demanded a blood sacrifice. 
Maybe Marty was being a dick and was, like, kicking the inside of the trunk. (laughs) (laughs) Why were the keys in the trunk? How did they... Reefer addicts. (laughs) Well, and, like, and they just opened some random guy's trunk and stuffed Marty in there? It was already open. Oh, it was already open? Okay. Yeah, that's where the instruments and the reefer come from. Look, a convenient trunk for it to stuff this guy in. <laughs> but yeah, like, like what a great group of like bullies. Just like, here's this open trunk. Let's just stuff this guy in here and close it. Did they learn nothing from the never-ending story? You're supposed to use garbage cans. The AI on the bullies isn't very good. As soon as they see something they can stuff you in, they just stuff you in it. <laughs> um, that's actually a kind of interesting question we won't go deep into it because we haven't seen the other ones yet with tepper but like where do people place the other ones relatively Uh, in order of their release yeah basically yeah i would have to really i've seen the first one the most so i would probably have to go and rewatch two and three but from what i remember i kind of liked again two for taking some guesses at what the history might be even though now it's technically the past. Well, Whereas, even one does that a little bit. But then um, Back to the Future 3, uh, it might be my least favorite. Yeah, I, I think I might agree that like the order of release is when they felt strongest. Interesting. Yeah, because uh, to me, I put two way below three. Like, one's obviously still at the top, but I've only seen two once because I w- was like, meh. Three is, I think, still good, but I've just seen a ton of movies do similar things like in that time period, so I think it was a good homage to those, but I don't want to say like what period it was, because I don't think Tepper's seen it, but um, yeah, like I think three for me, just if I want the things I want out of that movie, I can get from a lot of other movies in that period, or the period it's set in. Yeah, that's fair. Turtles in Time did it better. <laughs> I might even agree. I know you're kind of joking, but... I like me some Ninja Turtles. The best time travel plot, Turtles in Time. It's a cinema masterpiece. We'll get to that at some point, because of course Tepper hasn't seen it. No, of course not. I'm actually kind of hyped. Does it have a sequel? I'll go watch that first. I mean, that that is the third movie in the trilogy. I think the plan is that we're just going to start with that one, but we'll worry about that in the future. <laughs> um, I, I really love the clock tower as uh, like a symbol in this movie because it's supposed to be broken. So he goes back and it's working and that's discordant. And the fact that it's working severely hampers Doc Brown, who has like a sonic energy um, weakness, I guess. <laughs> He's the daredevil. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, they, in all three movies, the Clock Tower is a very powerful character. Um, it's it's a danger. I think they should tear it down. Like, Doc Brown shows that it's very unsafe to climb on. Because that's what it's intended for. Yeah, what if a nice scientist wants to climb around on the clock face? How did he initially set up this wire system, though? Because he was having so much trouble when he had to repair it. And his ladder was not tall enough to reach the clock tower. Oh, you just need a pole and hook. A scientific pole and hook. <laughs> I love the science in this movie. Just that, that feeling of being just like haphazardly put together. Gigawatts. Yeah. Well, apparently similar to like GIF and JIF, 
that was the correct pronunciation back then, and over time it has changed to gigawatts. So it sounds like a weird science-y term to us, but um, I think I saw this in some of the trivia. That actually used to be one of the ways you would pronounce that. Yeah, it was the proper pronunciation for a long time. Probably still before this movie's time, but it's interesting. Christopher Lloyd knows how to exit a room, though. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. in, in complete shock? Yeah. Yeah, that was real good. <laughs> yep, stare wide-eyed and say, great Scott. <laughs> how to react to any situation. Stumble backwards. Was the dog he had that helmet on supposed to be Einstein? Is Einstein a 30-year-old dog? Yes. What? Wow, I never noticed that. Yeah, it was, there was a very small puppy that he had the like brain wave reading device on that he then gave to Marty. I, th- uh. I think that was Einstein 1, and we got to see like <laughs> Einstein 5. <laughs> no, that was a 30-year-old dog. That's why animal testing was okay. It was pretty much dead anyways. Also, they just kind of left Einstein in the middle of the mall parking lot, and then he went into the future. Yeah, but he came back before, like, Einstein would have noticed anything. It's fine. Yep. It's like leaving your child in the store. Einstein origin story when? (laughs) It's fine as long as you have a time machine. Yeah. Uh, He came back ten minutes early, in fact. I've got a question, though. If, because the movies kind of later explain how timelines and possibly creating a new timeline works when you do something that messes with causality... But um, do you think that there is, again, like an alternate timeline where when Marty leaves that version of 1985 and Doc gets shot, Doc is dead and Marty's just missing and everyone in the town is really, really confused (laughs) why a bunch of (laughs) Libyan terrorists showed up and gunned down a scientist? I mean, in general, like they were uh, driving around in like Libyan terrorists in a hippie van with AKs and RPGs and driving around in, like, their traditional garb? Like... Yeah, that's such an 80s movie thing, too. Is, like, let's throw a dart at a map and it's gonna be terrorists from there. That was the one detail Marty didn't remember when he went back in time, was was what nationality the terrorists were. Yeah, Marty doesn't see race. Yeah, Marty's woke as fuck. He ju- he just sees terrorists. <laughs> just at one point he looks at the camera. Terrorists can be of any skin color. <laughs> that, that was on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah. Super woke. Marty with the hot takes. So, uh... This movie's full of really interesting props. Is there anyone that you'd want to keep? Like, what would you want the most? Ooh, I might, I might want that little his tiny little uh, like Chiquita yellow travel guitar at the very start. That thing's cute. Yeah, that guitar was pretty sweet. I like the one he played in the uh, in the past as well. That looks pretty cool. I guess there's a lot of props. I remember more from Back to the Future 2 and 3, but if it had to be from Back to the Future 1, again, the tricky part is a lot of it's expensive stuff, like the nice cars, or yeah, like a guitar. Uh, but a maybe plutonium? even just like Marty's skateboard. 
would be a cool mm, thing to say you have. Yeah, yeah. I want the entire clock tower. Sets <laughs> count as props. Or maybe yeah, when Doc builds the miniature and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't painted it and built it to scale. But it's like, dude, that's I love a really that. good miniature. <laughs> yeah, that was actually a good looking miniature. Uh, yeah, I'll take all the plutonium, I guess. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, yeah, that I sells really I... well to those Libyan terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can, can I just have Christopher Lloyd? Is he a prop? <laughs> I, think, I think I want mine to be Christopher Lloyd's clear plastic tie. For when he comes oh, back yeah. from the future at the end. Oh, those wicked, yeah, yeah, like solid metallic reflecting sunglasses. Amazing. I, well, let's all start dressing like that. Why isn't that the future we live in? Because it's not 2015 still. Be the change you want to yeah. see. <laughs> you could pull it off, Chris. The, a flux capacitor would be a pretty great prop. I'm. I guarantee you can buy that on ThinkGeek. I mean, you can buy literally everything we've said somewhere. <laughs> the entire clock tower. I know for a fact you can buy a flux capacitor on exactly ThinkGeek. I've seen it there before. Uh, if you have the money, you can buy a clock tower. Yes. No, I want that one. I think. I think his statement still stands. <laughs> Probably not the whole building still, but definitely the clock face. And the panthers, the clock I panthers. really want those, yeah, those weird panther statues that are with the clock. It's a pleasant place to live because of our panthers. Initially I thought they were dogs, but then like up close I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it's a cougar or something. Or maybe a puma. It has a downtown porn theater. What else could you want? <laughs> it's directly across from the clock tower. Only in the future. Downtown porn theater. It's also dr- across the street from the normal theater. What, were there two theaters? Yeah, he crashes into the one. He destroys the normal theater and then c- comes out and he's like, oh, thank God. No, when he destroys... The porn theater is still there. The porn here. theater is still there. The thing he destroys is a church. Even better. Really? Yeah, in, 1980, okay. in 1955 it's a theater, but in 1985 it's a church. Oh, I see. Yeah, I, t- I think like the sign said something... Yeah, it it was it still had the movie the like coming attractions sign outside, so I didn't realize it did say church on it, but I just assumed it was coming attractions, church. <laughs> all right, all right. I think with that, we'll wrap this up. So, I'm Chris. I write on downloadable zebras about uh, role playing games, and uh, you can find links to my other stuff there. I'm Connor. Uh, research is still uh, inconclusive about my robot status. All right, I'm Jeff, also known as Notorious Tree. I write about esports and game strategy, as well as music reviews on downloadable zebras. I'm Tepper, also known as Feldia. I'm also on downloadable zebras, and I write about a whole bunch of stuff. And a special thanks to 8-Bit Jazz for the use of our theme song, uh, the NeverEnding Story theme, 8-Bit Jazz version. You can find them on YouTube, and there will be a link in the description.